This is the movie Hall of Fame, class of 1994 edition, Adam Hall. Nico DiGregorio. You don't have to give my last name back, you know. Why not? Well, so... <laughs> is it is it like a, a thing that I'm just Adam Hall? Yeah, you're one of those guys where you gotta say the first name, last name. <laughs> you know? That's also very true. Do you have some friends like that? Where it's like they have to be called by both their names? Uh, I mean... <sighs> I don't think of anybody from my school where that was the case. I don't really know if that, you know, I I was called Adam Hall a lot, right? Frequently, even Abby calls me Adam Hall. She <laughs> does every like if she's trying to like get my attention, almost like almost like a like a like a very angry mother. Adam Hall, right? You know, sometimes you know if I do something that that that's inappropriate, <laughs> if I say something inappropriate, yeah, or I say something stupid, she'll be like, Adam Hall. You know, so that's that's I'm, but not like like like. I don't know, casually. That's not the thing. Like, huh. you're, you're referring to just sitting down and, and on the couch and being like, Adam Hall, what are you doing? Yeah, that's Adam Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two friends like that. I have Nick Hill. I have John Crow. They, for my entire life, yeah. that has been their first name, essentially. John Crow, yeah. It's, always. I, I don't, okay. I, I never call them Nick or John. Never. Mm-hmm. And I have some friends where I just call them by their last name, mm-hmm. which you have to have like three or four of those. Yes, yeah, and, and I guess I could be. Am I one of those, Nico? Am I now one of those? I don't call you Hall. Hall. <laughs> no. Every- no. But there are some words, last name only. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you know what I'm saying? See, that's another thing. Sometimes I would just get called Hall. But, oh, really? But that was confusing because in my school, there was always uh, at least two of us at any given point. Yeah. So there was always at least one of my brothers. And I don't know why, how they would distinguish one from the other, which is where C. Hall came from, which would have been my younger brother, Connor Hall. Yeah. Or, and then my older brother was like always Hall, and then I was A. Hall. Oh, that is yeah. very accurate, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what have you seen lately? Okay, well, I have finished uh, uh, Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. Yeah, like that's any good because you're not going to be on that yeah, podcast. I I'm sorry, my my mom was born today. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame your mother. I'm blaming. My no, mom. you aren't. You're, no, don't blame your mother. <laughs> you were given this time a month ago, and you failed to acknowledge the time. We could have worked around it. To my credit. No, you don't get <laughs> stop with the credit. We we talked about the time once, twice, and I forgot. We confirmed. Uh, you were told put it in your calendar. Do you have a calendar? No. Do you have a digital calendar? No. Does your iPhone have dates on it? <laughs> you have an iPhone, don't you? Set a damn reminder. That's I set a true. reminder. Yeah. Yeah, I could have done that. Or you could have said, hey, it's my mom's birthday. Can we do it another day? I wish I had done that. I completely, Well, it really is. Well, that's the other thing, too. Me. When we when you were given the date, you could have acknowledged, oh, my mother was born on that day. And I, I didn't really think twice about it. I didn't even, I didn't look at the date and I was like, oh, yeah, it's my mom's birthday. I didn't realize until like, like two weeks ago, it's like, oh, my mom's birthday is in two weeks, which happens, I guess. You ever forget your mom's birthday? No. Okay, I did once. Oh, really? It wasn't a good year. <laughs> oh, boy. No, it wasn't good. You forgot your mom's birthday. Just, just, uh, yeah, walked out of the house that morning. Eesh. See you, mom. Did you even, you didn't even say happy birthday? No, nothing. Because I didn't remember. It's not a good morning. That's not good. <laughs> she just stared at me. <laughs> that leering eyes, like you were a mistake. I didn't say happy birthday to my mom when I left the house today. So, but I mean, I did get her a cake and I got her a card. Okay. And and I and a little little gift card to some some nice place. So she's aware that I know it's her birthday. I just didn't actually say happy birthday. See, you can forget your dad's birthday all you want. Yes. You can't forget your mom's. Very true. I don't forget my dad's birthday. It's very easy to remember their birthdays. 
Why? Why is that? I don't. I don't know. For some reason, it's the twelfth and the seventeenth, and them being five days apart just just. That's yeah, oh, a nice round number there. Yeah. Yeah, it just works for me for some for some stupid reason. Huh. But uh, my brother, my older brother's very easy because he's um, uh, New Year's Day. Oh, so it's like yeah, my brother's Valentine's Day. Re- oh, oh God, <laughs> it's the double whammy. God, I I I can't tell if that's a good. Well, oh, it's not a good thing. Not a well, good. Well, actually, here's why it's not terrible in his case. If there's a lady in his life, I was just about to say, if he's got a girlfriend, right? It's like super good, <laughs> really good, because like he gets good. some of the burden lifted off of him. Yeah, right. It's his day. It's no longer the day of Saint Valentine. <laughs> But fuck Valentine's Day, man. Worst holiday. One of the reasons how I, I knew uh, Abby was something very special was because she's like, I hate Valentine's Day. We used to do an activity yeah. called Palentine's Day. Yeah. And it's since been dropped because all of my friends are in relationships except for me. So now I just have a solo Palentine's Day. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> how you doing, guys? <laughs> Great weather we're having, guys. <laughs> to those of you who are not here, I'm, I'm lifting up a solo cup to nobody. <laughs> That's Nico's Valentine's Day. What an existence I have. <laughs> what have you watched lately besides Twin Peaks? Movies. Uh, Give me movies. It's a movie show. Well, I watched Frozen, finally. Oh, God. Um, Disney like, Plus? No, yeah. Disney Plus. Yeah. On uh, Thank you, sir, Nico. I oh. used your account. Oh, of course. Well, don't mention it. Yeah, yeah. Same with uh, Showtime with Twin Peaks Season 3, which I- Well, I, that you can mention. I'll just save, <laughs> honestly. I, I need, we need Nick here for that. Um, but yeah, I, I saw Frozen. It was good. It's good. Are you going to see Frozen 2 this weekend? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to rush out to see it, but I have a feeling, again, Abby's probably going to want to go, so I'll go see it with her. Yeah, sure. I do not like Frozen. That's I, I don't blame you. you don't know? care for it. I'm not going to get like like pissed off if you say you don't like Frozen. Because <laughs> I hate those songs. Really? Okay. I really don't like them. Yeah. That's fine. You're not a musical guy. No. No, no. Never been a musical no, guy. No, but some Disney musicals I can get down to. That's just a, a, a pretty bad soundtrack, in my opinion. <sighs> I wouldn't necessarily say that. Let I mean, it go it's... is way overrated. <laughs> it's sung by like every every little girl everywhere. It's their it's their shit. I know all my little cousins that are of that age dressed up as like Elsa and Anna yeah. that Halloween and whatever. It's it it touched their hearts, Nico. No, it's cute when a five year old sings it. It's not cute when a thirty year old sings it in an animated movie. That's yeah. all. What's her name? Adina Menzel from Wicked. That's the only. Th- I had to be told that. I had no idea she was even in Wicked. Adina Menzel from from Glee. Uncut gems. Is she an uncut? Oh shit! That's right. I'm just I'm just realizing now from that trailer she totally is. Yeah, she's oh. Adam Sandler's love interest. Oh no! Oh, that's oh gonna, yes. I'm, 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 Let it go, Adina. I've been getting steadily more and more excited for uncut gems. <laughs> I actually can't wait for that. I'm more I'm more excited for uncut gems than I am the 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 Irishman. Uh, let's go play in the snow, Adina. <laughs> and by snow, I mean cocaine. <laughs> Let's she, do it. Yeah, she's probably dabbled a few times. I wouldn't 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 surprise well, me. Well, uncut gems, I think, is a little more than dabble. <laughs> no, can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty 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 pumped for that. I'm so happy. Uh, I also saw Paddleton. Oh yes, hit me. It is. It's not my kind of movie. Oh, it isn't. No, it's it's like it's very like like it's kind of slice of life. Watch people be people. Yes, and it's not very s- improv. Yeah, I don't think they actually had a script. I think they just had an outline. Yeah, there's a mumblecore vibe to me. Oh, and, it's very mumblecore. Yeah, and not not not. It's not kept at nearly the same distance as mumblecore movies usually are, but it's but it's certainly got that attitude in terms of the filmmaking, which uh-huh. is very like like 
standard. It's it's not it's it, it wasn't anything that I stopped and I was like, yeah, I, I love I love this thing. I need to watch it again. It's just it is what it is. It's it's good. That last like twenty minutes is just like heartbreaking. Oh, it's devastating. But but it, it took a while to get to that point, and I wasn't like in it in it. I was just kind of watching them fumble around and and discuss you know their their relationship and basically exploring why Ray Romano is uncomfortable with this whole situation. Yeah. And so like, it's about, by the way, a platonic friendship between two guys. Uh, one of them is diagnosed with cancer and yep. decides to participate in assisted suicide, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, and you're right. It, it It is uneven, mostly because there's no script. And it's kind of a road trip movie. So it has like that meandering sort of quality of... Their, they're traveling somewhere, but you don't know exactly where they're going. Like, there's not a lot. There's not like a clear like destination yeah. to to the movie. It's just sort of like a free flowing thing. Uh, that's type of shit I love, and I guess that's just my weird taste. I I'm noticing, and I was saying this to Jabril. We were having a funny conversation, and we were, I don't remember what the movie was, but he was like, "Do you think Nico will will like it?" And I'm like, "Well, let, let me put it to you this way: In order to appreciate movies the way Nico appreciates movies, you have to pretend you're about 80 years old." <laughs> oh, stop it, <laughs> Nico! Stop! <laughs> you are such, such an old man stop. when it comes to your movie taste. <laughs> that is not fair. <laughs> That is not fair. <laughs> if if Balancin I it is not an eighty year old movie, what are you talking about? It, it, what are you talking about? It's an older man's movie, dude. <sighs> Come on. What do you mean? Come on. No, I think I enjoy um I enjoy a lack of structure. I like an intimate lack of structure type movie. Okay. Where it's just slice of life, put me in someone's shoes and I want to watch them behave. See, I look at yeah. That's the thing is that I was watching it, and it's just, it's very familiar to me. Yeah, and I, I see a lot of movies like this, and it's it's trying to draw on life quite closely. And I'm like, y- you know, like because I like it when movies get away from that, and I like to you know feel something new that I maybe didn't yes. have a chance to feel before. Sure. And I don't I don't think I like I rarely ever get that out of movies like this. I mean, I guess Annie Hall is a is a good exception, but even Annie Hall is for. I don't know, as, as as close to reality as that movie is, it's at least very creative with its story. Are you saying you'd like escapism more than realism? Is that your point? Uh, what Escapism kind of has a negative connotation. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, I don't mean that. I mean, like, you like being in a different universe with different rules or characters that you haven't met before. Usually, yeah. I'll, I'll take that over, again, something like Paddleton. Okay. Yeah, I like just being reminded of all the terrible things in life. That's, <laughs> that's my vibe. <laughs> just okay. I want you to beat me over the head with my own inadequacies and just repeat my thoughts to me. You can draw from reality. I don't have any issue with that. And yeah. I don't. I don't. Again, there are, there are certainly movies that you know stay pretty close to that, and I'll still like them. I mean, that's kind of what Boyhood is to me, anyway. Sure. But like, even then, it's like you know, I still get more out of. Say I don't know. I still learn more from watching Fury Road than I ever would, honestly, watching Boyhood. Because <laughs> I lived that is a bo- weird sentence. I lived. Bo- well, that's the, the problem. Is I lived Boyhood. Yeah. So what? So it's like it's nothing new to me, and I'm like, okay, like it's only so compelling. I mean, that's why I like Noah Baumbach so much, and we're going to talk about Baumbach yeah. in, in a few weeks. I, I wonder how you're going to respond to these movies. Yeah. I, I'm, after you just said that. See, I don't get. Yeah. I, the, <laughs> because I'll watch a Baumbach movie, and it'll be like the dialogue is pulled straight from my head. 
Like a character will say something and I'll be like, I was thinking that last night. How did you have enough time to put that in the script and put it in your movie? Fair. Because it's literally me, mm-hmm. you know? And I respond to that because, you know, it forces me to reflect on stuff I usually wouldn't reflect on. Okay. Um, now, you may say that that's derivative and not creative enough or whatever. I mean, I don't know. But that's why I love Paddleton so much. And by the way, that final scene... Yeah. If anything, is one of the best scenes we're going to see all year and is like incredibly moving. Yes. That, that scene's a great, it's just great drama, though. And maybe that's what a lot of these movies are lacking is that, at least in Paddleton, to me, it, it doesn't have a great sense of its drama, at least for most of the film. Yeah. It takes a long time to actually get going. Sure. But, you know, it, it's, it's fine. It's fine. You know, check it out if you want. You might, you might love it. Um, I watched Silence last night. Oh, yay. Yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> I, uh,. <laughs> I wanted to just drown myself in something. <laughs> that was the mood I was in. I just yeah. wanted to drown. Yeah. Well, so, there, there's a quite a few scenes that kind of involve drowning. I would say a scene that definitely involves drowning, Adam. Yes. Kind of, yeah. In which multiple characters drown. That's that's true. I think that's that true. would... They just count. get smacked by waves. <laughs> uh, actually, two scenes with that. Yeah, that's true. Um... Yeah, I was just in that mood where I'm like, I want something long, I want something emotionally draining, and I want to be lost in it. Uh, so I watched Silence. Um, weird Adam Driver, I'm sorry, not Adam Driver, weird Andrew Garfield performance. Yeah, I agree. Really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind well, not kind of, he is the lead in this movie, and I didn't expect him to be the lead in the movie. Um, I expected it to be more of a two or three hander with Liam Neeson and Adam Driver. Nope. And that is not the case. It's very Andrew Garfield dependent. Um, and I, I don't know if he had the chops to pull it off in this particular case. I don't think he's that bad. I think it's I think it's seeing him placed into this setting. I think the Andrew Garfield is just distracting in that way, even though I don't think in a bubble his performance is necessarily bad. Well, the thing about Andrew Garfield is, is he's very charismatic. Yeah. And... Like, he does better in something like Under the Silver Lake, which is a very loud and over-the-top and expressive movie. Mm -hmm. And this, by its very definition, has to be a quieter performance. The movie's literally called Silence, and there's a lot of it. Yes. I know it refers to God's silence, but there's also a lot of silence in the movie. There's not a big score. Uh, It's a very remote, isolated-feeling movie. Um, Also, it's too long. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, you know the script is not perfect, um, but I think uh, it's a damn good film. Mm-hmm. I really do. I thought it was a damn good film, and it's one of my favorite Scorsese films. It it only gets better the more you, you the more you let it sit. You know, it's really moving, man. Mm-hmm. I I think this guy does religious filmmaking. Better than anyone. And I know he does a lot of filmmaking better than anyone. He does mob filmmaking better than anyone. He, he <laughs> yep. does boxing filmmaking better than anyone. But movies about God, uh, he just gets it. Mm-hmm. And this movie captures the like inner turmoil and emotional struggle and, and just torturous lifestyle of a religious person better than I've ever seen before. Yep. And that's, you just don't see that in religious filmmaking. And, you know, it's – most films about God are bad. <laughs> yep. Right? I, I agree. And that's because people that uh, are Christians generally don't know how to make movies. And yeah. they tend to uh, paint a picture in, in with, with rosy eye 
with rosy eyes, yeah. right? There's always some level of bias. And uh, well, extreme op- level of bias, at least with Christian films that you're sure. referring to. Yeah, optimism and uh, sincerity and an inspirational message. And they tend to sugarcoat things because, uh, you know, they want to portray their faith as the answer and not the problem, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this movie certainly does portray the Christian faith as an answer, and it's certainly very pro uh, Catholicism and pro God, uh, but it's tough. It's a brutal watch, and yeah. these things happen to these characters. Uh, I- I'm not sure I would get through it, and at times these characters don't get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has this incredible message at the end, and I won't spoil it. But that shot, that final shot, is one of my favorite final shots in all of Scorsese's pictures. Yeah, I love it. It's just magic. It's movie magic. As someone who who relates to what Scorsese does in his films, at least on some level, because I'm 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 a little religious. Uh, I I thought that 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 final shot, even only being on that tiny level of whatever Scorsese's in, almost brought me to tears. Yeah, I was like, Jesus, that's so true. Yeah, it's such a sweet and 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 powerful and oddly oddly hopeful note to end on. Out of all this suffering that you had to endure, but it's it's great because the movie doesn't necessarily. Te- like 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 force it in your face it just kind of lets it happen right and uh, no the movie doesn't do that to you you yeah. you suspect that it's going to but it doesn't no it, i mean it really takes its time to illustrate the the, the flaws in these people yes and their let their egos and and th- how th- they hold on to things in kind of the wrong way even though they've devoted their lives to it it's more of a it's more about themselves than it's ever been about god or right. other people yeah and i just like i it, it's very clear to me that that Scorsese is frustrated with those who who have that power and 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 are trying to deal with it and trying to force it upon other people and are not looking at it realistically. Uh-huh. And he, he he's he's at at this point in his life he's probably like yeah I I still obviously believe in this stuff but you can be a little more rational about it. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. Well, I that message is kind of complicated to me. Yes, I, I'm not sure when I. Do I want to spoil this? So the scene where Andrew Garfield speaks to God, right? Um, I I thought I was going to be bothered by it. I actually wasn't bothered by it. I thought that breaking of the logic was totally fine. Well, you know, I mean, you you've been with the movie at that point, I th- maybe three hours. Yeah. So so to so you can read it as he's talking to God, or you could read it as he's just breaking down. Right. And at that point in the movie, with as much like suffering that's been going on. It's completely earned in my mind. Yes. It's like, yeah, I think even if I'm in his positions, I would hear something. <laughs> yes. Well, no, I'm, but I'm so, not sure that yeah. moment is a moment of rath- rationalism is my point. No. I mean, yeah. you say that the, the movie ends on let's just be rational about these things. And, well, not necessarily. And not, let's practice our faith within the reasonable bounds of our yeah, society. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think that's the message. I think the message here is I took the burden for you so you wouldn't have to do it anymore. So that, let me hang on the cross and take the burden and... You continue to live your life, yeah, right? In, in that scene, anyway. That's how, when he step when he steps on yes. the pallet. Yes, because the ending to me as as a Christian fe- feels more like that, where it's like even even after you've been like 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 shot down and and persecuted by every everyone around you, that doesn't it, that doesn't mean that your faith can necessarily be you know like smelted or anything like that. Right. It doesn't mean that it can it can go away. Like just because. You're living in the confines of, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to keep this under wraps. That doesn't mean you don't have any faith. Yes. Or that doesn't mean you don't love God or that thing. Right. And you can still die with that in your heart. Yeah. It's, I also love the arc of the um, the other Japanese guy who sold out 
Oh yeah, oh, he's Andrew Garfield. Such a complicated, awesome fucking character. That's a great character. Love that character, and I've never been so pissed off at a human being in my life. But yeah. but then by the end of it, you're like, oh yeah, he was doing the smart thing all along. Yeah. And it, 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 my God, watching it because I saw this with my brother and one of his friends, and um, it's just like you, the entire time sitting there, you're like, why is he not? stepping on this thing yeah why won't he step on this little template like this is the most frustrating experience just step on the freaking piece of metal yeah that's all it is sure it's just a piece of metal it doesn't mean anything yeah it's it's um it's a really good movie yeah it's no re- it's really good it's really good and I'm, I'm working on this ranking for the end of the decade and i think this is gonna fall pretty high on that list i i because I, I came out of the movie and i was like that was masterfully done i don't know where i sit on it and then i literally stewed in my mind like like for two years and i've come to the conclusion like it's one of my favorite scorsese films i'll tell you, I'll tell I, I you what it. man this guy still got his fastball dude God, this I, guy could still make a movie well, it's like when you would tell me like he's he's lost his edge and i'm like you haven't seen silence man he no he Come hasn't <laughs> no i you're 100 right yeah and i i'm even more excited for the irishman now yeah i'm even more pumped i'm like give me three and a half hours i'm totally fine with it yes it's great yeah it's great it's all great. right Let's get to what we're here to talk about today, mm-hmm. shall we? The year 1994. Your nominees, the aforementioned Shawshank Redemption, Clerks, Natural Born Killers, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Hoop Dreams, one of those six into the movie Hall of Fame. Highest grossing movie, 1994 is... Forrest Gump? The Lion King. Oh, well, that makes sense. Followed by, closely, Forrest Gump, True Lies, The Mask, and Speed. I'm upset that we did not nominate True Lies, but we'll live. We'll live. (laughs) (laughs) Your nominees for Best Picture that year, Shawshank Redemption, Quiz Show, Pulp Fiction, Four Weddings and a Funeral, but your winner is Forrest Gump. Mm -hmm. Uh, Robert Zemeckis takes on Best Director for that film, as does Tom Hanks for Best Actor. Jessica Lange takes home Best Actress for Blue Sky. Martin Landau takes home Best Supporting Actor for Ed Wood. Wow, that's a surprising one. No, rightfully so. He's so good. He is, but wow, that's a weird one. Okay. Uh, And Diane West takes home Best Supporting Actress for Bullets Over Broadway. Woody Allen film. Never seen it. Neither have I. Gotta check it out. Me too. Honorable mentions. I got a bunch. Oh, yeah. This is a good year. Really good year. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Okay. Speed. Mm-hmm. True Lies, as we said. Uh, the Mount Rushmore of 90s Jim Carrey shit. You got Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all came out in 94. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> the Holy Trinity. My God. <laughs> Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. What's your favorite of those three? Ace Ventura. Yeah, my t- Yeah. Followed by the mask, followed by Dumb and Dumber. You know, I go mask three. I don't love the mask. Okay, I don't love Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I actually quite hate Dumb and Dumber. Wow. Okay. Yeah, come on, dude. Yeah. Uh, the Santa Claus. Yeah, talked about extensively on why is this a thing. Yeah. One of our favorites over there. Clear and Present Danger. I don't think I like Clear and Present Danger. I don't think I've seen it. I I think it's all those movies blend together for me. Well, I really like Patriot Games. And I, I absolutely adore Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Hunt for Red October is by far and away the best of those. The best, like, Jack Ryan film that's ever going to be. Yeah. Uh, the River Wild, 94. No, of course. Of course. Interview with a Vampire. <laughs> that's, wait, that's the Tom Cruise 
Brad Pitt one. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ed Wood, we talked about. You really like. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. Uh, Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, the is okay. Is is it underrated? I don't know. I don't love that. Yeah, movie. it's underrated. Sure, it is. Uh, okay. Okay. There's like a half hour of great stuff in there. <laughs> I have a tr- I have a lot of trouble squaring that movie in my head. Why? Uh it's I, there's maybe it's just because it's it's a Coen Brothers film and I find it very forgettable. Yeah. Uh, I actually don't find it that forgettable. Really? Yeah, I, I think all the stuff with the clock tower and the the scene with the hula hoop and Yeah, I like that stuff. You know, for kids. It's it's uh, that's true. <laughs> there's a lot I of like, memorable stuff. Underrated. It's 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 not great though. It's definitely not a great film. I the, mean, the fantasy element at the end is a little irritating. Yeah, I don't. That's the thing is that I don't know. I don't necessarily know what they were going for in this movie, but yeah, I I I, I toil with that movie a lot. I I still don't know if I love it. Quiz show we talked about uh, reality bites. Never seen it. Leon the professional. I have seen it. Pretty good. Very good. Is that his best movie? Who? The director whose name I'm forgetting. Oh, um, 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 French guy. Why can't I remember his name? I, I just had it in my head. <laughs> the guy who directed Valerian, the movie that everybody saw. Or Lucy. Or Lucy. Uh, shit. The Fifth Luc Element. Luke Besson. Luke Besson. Luke Besson. I oh. do like The Fifth Element, even though it's weird as fuck. And uh, this is the controversial omission. Um, one of my ten favorite movies of all time, The Lion King. I didn't yeah. put on just because I didn't think we would have much to say about it. I didn't think it would get inducted. I mean, maybe you could make an argument for it. You um, could. You certainly could. I think. But uh, we'll stay away from it for now. We could do another podcast with animated films. How about that? Yeah, I mean, Lion King is my first favorite movie. Your number one. That, favorite movie. No, it was the the movie that I put at number one the earliest in my life. It's interesting that you've changed so much over the years because I feel like I've stayed like very consistent. Like my my favorite, you know, maybe favorite film has pretty much been Alien my entire life. Yeah, uh, well, that's weird because you saw it very early in your life. Yeah, I know. But as long as I can remember having a favorite movie, that movie was The Lion King. Sure, and then it changed a little bit, okay. but initially it was The Lion King. Uh, National Film Registry, by the way. Puts Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, Hoop Dreams, and The Lion King. Wow. In there. So there you go. Solid. We did okay. Pretty damn solid. Aside from one entry on this list, but we'll talk about that. Pretty pretty good. (laughs) Okay. uh, Let's just breeze through Shawshank real quick because we talked about it last week. Yeah. I was going to say, we just talked about Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) Directed by Frank Darabont, starring Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, Bob Gunton, you know, all the nominations. Number one movie of all time on the Internet Movie Database. Number 23, most inspirational film of all time. And number 72 all time on the AFI list. Two imprisoned men bond over a number of years, finding solace and eventual redemption through acts of common decency. Uh, anything about Shawshank that you didn't get a chance to say before that you'd like to say now? Speak now, forever hold your peace. Jesus, I don't know. I, I, I certainly said that it's very well directed and well written and well shot. Did we talk about Roger well, Deakins being the cinematographer here? No, we didn't. Yeah. This, this is one of his uh, earlier, earlier films, and I think this is his first nomination. Oh, really? Yeah, the first film that he was ever nominated for an Academy Award for. And rightfully so, because okay. this film looks incredible. I wouldn't put it on the upper tier of Deacon cinematography, though. Uh, no, I mean, maybe, well, I, I, I might agree with you. The problem is it's, like, so damn iconic for people now. 
Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard for me for. I mean, any movie where you have just a shot that people just reference over and over and over again, and I don't just mean the scene where he's holding his hands up to the lightning, but even just the 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 scenes where he's chiseling away at uh, Rita Hayworth and that kind of thing. You know? Right. I don't know. I think this film sticks in people's brains a lot, and a lot of that is just due to how freaking gorgeous this movie looks. Yeah. Uh, good Tim Robbins performance too. We didn't talk about this, but there's some good performances all across the board here. It's one of my favorite Tim Robbins performances because he, he, he doesn't, I don't know. He, he, there's something just very charismatic about him in this that he doesn't get out of like any other film he's ever in. Yeah. I don't love Tim Robbins. I do not like him at all. <laughs> <laughs> but in this, there's just something very charming about the guy. Yeah. And I can't help but feel bad for him. It, it, and I just, I, I don't know. I just love his personality in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I, he's one of my least favorite parts of Hudsucker Proxy, as a matter of fact. And I buy that, yeah. Th- this was the run where it was like, oh, maybe Tim Robbins is a movie star. And by 2000, it was like, nah, actually, bro, not a movie star. <laughs> and then he does War of the Worlds. Right. Well, he did <laughs> Mystic River. Didn't he win an Oscar for that? Yeah, he did. And I really like him in Mystic River. But I like him a lot more in this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it too. Also, like, one of the few movies where narration really works first morgan freeman narration by the way oh right mm-hmm. yeah there you go that's another this film is a staple of that yes created that cliche <laughs> yeah if you can call a particular actor's vo a cliche but i, I guess it is yeah honestly i think it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah um you know when scorsese does it obviously you know you're in good hands because you know narration is just part of his palette and yep. You come to expect that in silence. I was totally fine with the narration for that reason. Yep. Um, but it just really works here because they restrict the narrative. Yes. So it's it, Morgan Freeman is telling the story of Andy Dufresne. Yeah. Right. And you don't really see it from Dufresne's point of view. And so it feels like you're reading a storybook. It feels like you're reading a secondhand account. There's mm-hmm. always that remove. If they had done like the dual narration, for example, like in Goodfellas, yeah, and it it, it it juggled between Red and Andy. Yeah, it could have been strange. Would have been strange. But here, because they restrict it, uh, the voiceover could be the best in the history of movies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it makes it's more appropriate here. It keeps Andy in, in, a, in a more like mythical level, and especially towards the end where they sort of talk about him. That's just this incredible guy that was once here and now he's gone. Right. There's you know? this mythic quality to it. It's yeah. like I'm reading this in a yeah, history book. Exactly. It's it's great. No, this is about as one of those like like movies I don't have any flaws with. Yep, I love every single thing about this movie. What do you want me to say? And what could I tell you that hasn't been said a thousand times already? It's the fucking Shawshank Redemption, and we love it. Okay, Clerks, Clerks, written and directed by Kevin Smith of the, Smodcast fame, the great Kevin Smith, the best filmmaker working and living today, certainly of our generation. Yeah, I would yeah. say better than Scorsese, I think. Starring Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, Jason Mewes, and Kevin Smith. A day in the lives of two convenience store clerks named Dante and Randall as they annoy customers, discuss movies, and play hockey on the store roof. I fucking love this movie. I love this movie. Clerks shot on a $27,000 budget in a convenience store and video store where director Smith and I believe Brian O'Halloran worked. Or was it Jason Mewes? I can't. I don't remember. Uh, I, I don't know if it was Brian Halloran. Jason Mewes does make sense, though. One of I, them worked at a video store. One of them worked at a grocery store. I think Jason Mewes worked at the grocery store. I'm almost yeah. I'm positive that um, uh, Kevin Smith worked at the video store. Okay. Yeah. So they uh, were going to make this independent movie. Kevin Smith had this script, and he was going to like make it with his friends. And he was like, hey, can we shoot in these stores? And they were like, yes, but only at night. So 
they uh, shot for 21 straight nights. Kevin Smith would clock in at 6 a.m., finish at 11 p.m., his shift, and then he would start shooting until 4 a.m., sleep about one to two hours in between work, and then go back. <laughs> Jesus. And he did this for 21 days straight. Yeesh. <laughs> and the brilliant thing they do here, and this just, like, is such an inspirational story for independent filmmakers yep. and guys with a camcorder that it's just like, go make your movie, mm-hmm. uh, is they close the shutters on the front of the grocery store Use the excuse that someone had put stuck gum in between the shutters and the building, so we couldn't get them open. And they shot it in black and white, so they wouldn't have any problems with the lighting. Yep. So you could just say, oh, yeah, this is daytime, and you couldn't tell because movies in black and white. Yes. It's brilliant stuff. Yes. So so inspirational. <laughs> Very. <laughs> I mean, it's made for nothing. Yes. Nothing. And the funny thing is, when watching it, I was like, I can totally see myself doing something this outrageous. Oh, yeah. It's And I feel like I kind of have done stuff this outrageous before, just even in like like my little stupid high school shorts and whatnot. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, I love this movie quite dearly. Yeah. It's the only Kevin Smith movie I love. Um, I, I still haven't seen Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy's fine. Uh, and You Hate Dogma. I do not like Dogma at all. Yeah, I do like Dogma. I think but uh, Mallrats is okay. You like Mallrats? I think it's okay. Okay. Because I do, I like, I like, I don't think Dogma is necessarily his best film. I don't, I don't love it the way some people do. But again, yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, and uh, Tusk is a trip. <laughs> Tusk is a movie. No, this guy just like he sucks as a director, but that's okay. I <laughs> yeah. mean, maybe he wasn't put on the earth to direct. Sure, he's coming out with a new movie, or he just came out with Jay and Silent Bob: The Return, or whatever the I hell. I believe it's called. it's called Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. The reboot, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we should we should talk about that one. And then Clerks Three is finally in the works, which is nice. Is that right? Yep. Why? I don't know. Everyone likes the second one. I have not seen. I have not seen the second one either. Yeah, the second one apparently is pretty good. Okay, I, I'm just tired by the guy's shtick. Yeah, it's it's a voice that I think got old after like his second movie. Yes, it's, I can only take so much of it, and it's the only the only place it works in this is because the movie just feels grimy and nasty yes. the entire way through, and it just feels like it's it's a it's made by hooligans about hooligans, so it, it's sort of appropriate, right? And uh, even if I don't love everything that's coming out of their mouths, it's it's like endlessly entertaining. Yeah, I mean, the, like this movie is just it's it's surprisingly unpredictable too, especially towards the end, you know, and very uh, kind kind of somber. I feel like a lot of people know what these what the lifestyle of these guys is actually like. Yeah, so. uh, I mean, there's some gross out comedy too. There's some very broad stuff in here, yeah. um, and you know, you have to remember you're watching a movie made by a bunch of kids. Yes, and this is the script. Uh, of stuff that they're interested in but that's what i appreciate about it yeah. and, and it was this 90s vibe i think it was like yeah. right in the wake of reservoir dogs reservoir dogs was the first movie where i'm like oh characters can talk about movies and stuff in yeah. the way that like i talk about movies and stuff uh-huh. you know you can talk about madonna's like a virgin and, <laughs> Uh, in this case, you can talk about the best Star Wars installments yeah. and why the end of Empire Strikes Back is so compelling. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was that sense of of uh, 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 of a love for pop culture and just like a, an F.U. rebellious attitude about it where I'm going to reclaim this stuff. Yep. Critics are not the only ones that are allowed to talk about movies this way. Yep. Um, and I really dig that in Reservoir Dogs. I really dig that in all Tarantino movies. Sure. But the thing about Tarantino is that he's also a masterful filmmaker, and he knows what he's doing behind the camera, and he obsesses over the technique and the form. Yes. 
Uh, Kevin Smith is not that guy. No. He is a screenwriter first, I would say. Yes. And a podcaster second, and maybe a director third, if you want to be <laughs> generous about it. That Yeah, that's the thing. He's not, I don't think he's ever been in love with filmmaking is the thing. Yes. He, he certainly said, like, one of the one things, one of the things he said, like, from the start, he's like, yeah, just, like, dialogue's pretty much the only thing I know how to do. Yes. And I think even that's more prevalent than, than writing a good story, too, because I think, I don't even think he's great at, at writing a story. Well, there's not much a of a story here, is there? No, I mean, it's a story. It's just very, very basic. Right. You know, it's just the story of the life of these guys that to convenience stores or whatever sure and it's yeah it's fine it's fine in that way but yeah i don't i don't look at it as like a a, a masterpiece in storytelling it's just really really sharp dialogue yes surprisingly good dialogue for the person who who made it i would say sure much better than anything that that dude who made uh boondock saints ever did <laughs> oh god yeah that yeah. guy another yeah. weinstein guy yeah but that was like an instance of of weinstein giving him money despite not making anything in the past right yeah yeah, like, wasn't he, that like the story? Troy Duffy, yeah, he didn't make anything off of that. He didn't, yeah, he was like a like a like a bouncer, I think, at a bar. Right. Yeah, he was. He did nothing, and he just had this idea, like, oh yeah, I could make a better uh, crime movie than the, all the idiots today. And Weinstein was like, yeah, I'm going to humor you. It was kind of a publicity stunt, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, where he was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to just going to give this random asshole money, and, and he. <laughs> <laughs> really is a random asshole. Like the more I think about that story, I'm like, ugh, I don't, I don't like that at all. Yeah. So Weinstein, dude. I mean, look, he's responsible for this movie. He bought this movie out of the festival circuit, and so he gave us Kevin Smith. True. Uh, I'm, I'm happy we have Kevin Smith. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. So the original ending of this movie, did you know this? They actually shot it, and it's a deleted scene. Um, after uh, uh, Randall walks out of the store and Dante's closing up. A thief comes into the convenience store and shoots Dante dead. What? That's the original ending of the movie. Yeesh. Okay. And it was like really bleak, but it was supposed to like hammer home that point of I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Yeah. You know? And it's like supposed to be this really like depressing ending. And I guess they screened it and everyone was like, hey, that's way too bleak of an ending. How about just say cut five minutes earlier? Okay. So yeah, that's uh, it, it. Just changes the entire meaning of the of the movie, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> right. It shows it shows the type of person that Kevin Smith is. Because if he has his convictions, he'd be like, "No, that's my ending." Guy, exactly, exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. But you take out that ending, and it becomes this sort of optimistic movie about friends that just learn how to make do, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that, you know. No, I like that ending better. Yeah, but. I, I, no, you're 100% right, though. The lack of conviction on Kevin Smith's part, I think, tells you all you need to know. Yeah. That's a, it's whatever. I do, I, what we got is, is, is good enough, and I'm happy we have it. Yeah. I love Randall. My God, do I love Randall. <laughs> I don't appreciate your attitude. I don't appreciate your ruse. <laughs> what? Your ruse. You're a cunning attempt to trick me. <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> when he's listing the porno movies over the phone. <laughs> I couldn't reference any in particular, but it's just hilarious. And then he ends with, what's the one that you guys wanted? <laughs> <laughs> the movie, it, it, you know, thinking about it, about it now, it's so goddamn funny. It's so funny. It just scenes like that. Oh, I love it. Great comedy. You ever tried to suck your own dick? <laughs> Everybody has. Don't joke. <laughs> I've never done it. <laughs> oh, boy. The bathroom scene. Yeah, <laughs> if we want bleak shit, 
Or, I wouldn't or, call it bleak. <laughs> well, I know it's not bleak, but just like I mean, it's bleak for that guy. But <laughs> and the level of like 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 dark and depressing shit. Like every time I see that, I don't think it's funny at all. It's just like the most ugh. Oh, it's horrible. It's so terrible. Natural born killers. Oh, we're moving on. <laughs> Anything else you got to say? No. Okay. Directed by Oliver Stone. Story by Quentin Tarantino. So I guess what happened here is Tarantino had this script, and it was like floating around the studios for years. Yep. And Oliver Stone found it and was like, yes, I will make this movie, but I will heavily rewrite it. So he just rewrote the whole thing. And I guess at first, Tarantino was like, fuck that movie. That has nothing to do with my script at all. Yep. Uh, and he ended up, I think, publishing the script Did as he? a book. I think. Really? And it was drastically different. And I think the studio sued him for it. It was like a whole thing. Uh, Fast forward a few years. Yeah. And he's in an elevator. And who walks into the elevator other than Johnny Cash? (laughs) And Johnny Cash says to Tarantino, I love your work, especially natural born killers. (laughs) And ever since then, Tarantino's been like, fuck yeah. Natural born killers. Great movie. (laughs) So Johnny Cash, the reason why Tarantino no longer disowns that film. Damn. Damn. That, so there you go. that makes me upset. <laughs> uh, the movie stars Woody Harrelson, Ju- Juliette Lewis, Robert Downey Jr., Tommy Lee Jones, Tom Sizemore, and Rodney Dangerfield. I get no respect. No <laughs> respect at all. Oh! Uh, nominated for zero Oscars, if you can believe it. <laughs> oh, Wow. Wow. Two, really? vi- two victims of traumatized <laughs> childhoods become lovers and psychopathic serial murderers. Yeah, that's not what this fucking movie's irresponsibly about. Irresponsibly <laughs> glorified by the mass media. All right. I am going to give you the floor to get everything off your chest. Oh, God. What don't you like about Natural Born Killers, a movie that I like quite a bit? Uh, I mean, if you like, I mean, this is an- another example of a movie that is not concerned with a story or storytelling. It has an idea about how to satirize the media and how people perceive the media or perceive violence in, in the media and so on and so forth. And this movie is fucking stupid. This movie is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I, I Yeah, I, I find this movie fairly reprehensible. I don't buy anything in it. I don't like anything about it. I don't like the style at all. More than anything, I hate the style. This is Oliver Stone, like, on cocaine. Oh, yeah. And it's very irritating. And, like, even if I don't like, like, like the, the choices and the fact that, yeah, the movie's not concerned with character or story necessarily. It just has that idea. It's like, can I at least, like, enjoy the filmmaking here? And I just, oh, God. It's like, it's like a fucking rave party the whole time. I just can't stand it. Um, Woody Harrelson is fine but annoying. Uh, Juliet Lewis, is that her name? Yes. Fine but annoying. The Rodney Dangerfield scene is brilliant, but that's <laughs> if that's all you got. I mean, the scenes where they kill the, the, the farmers and there's just, like, they're just, like, cowboys projected outside. It's like, you know... Everything surrounds them. Like the, the the media is our world. Like oh my god. Like ugh, I was gonna vomit watching this thing. It's so obvious and on the nose and overexpressive. And again, I just <laughs> I do like Robert Downey Jr. in the movie. Okay. And Tommy Lee Jones. Like I, <laughs> I don't even want to touch that. <laughs> but I I I don't know. I found the film a little disingenuous at the end of it all. I was like, I, I see what the movie's saying about five minutes in. This should have been a short film. <laughs> I think stretching it out this long is 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 too much. 
Uh, I think it gets its point across way too quickly, and I don't think the the point has as much. I don't know. It doesn't have it has as much momentum as the movie thinks. So I hate this movie. It sucks. <laughs> um, I'm gonna put to the side the fact that it is wildly entertaining it's not (laughs) i I find it wildly entertaining and (laughs) look you may find the filmmaking to be extra and certainly the filmmaking is extra uh but i actually find it quite inspired and quite thrilling at times and would i sign up for 10 movies like this certainly not would i sign (laughs) up for one two-hour movie like this yes okay i'll get it and get out you know what i'm saying yep I could, if every movie in Hollywood was like this, absolutely not. But every once in a while, you know, cocaine is not the worst thing. <laughs> How many times have you seen this movie? Um, probably, probably two or three. Okay, I only had the one, the one, the, the one time I saw it, and I was like, I don't ever want to see that again. <laughs> I've not watched it in its entirety since the first time, but I've caught it okay. on cable because it's on cable every once in a while, yeah. and and I'll flip it on, and yeah. Uh, a lot is happening, and the editing is uh, quite frenetic, and the editing process, I'm sure, took a very long time. But I want you to look at it in this context, right? Okay. It's 1994. Mm-hmm. Here's what just happened. I know. O.J. Simpson, <laughs> Mendendez murders. I know. Right? Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan, Rodney King, all this stuff, which were... Uh, I think it's hard to understand now in 2019 because news just comes and goes. It's like it's so disposable when like a news story hits. It'll hit for like two days now and then you forget about it. Back then, these stories were life defining. Like they were they were generation defining events. I know. Like a football player on trial for murder it completely encapsulated the conversation. Um, so. That's what's happening in 94, and that's what's on Oliver Stone's mind. And he's thinking to himself, huh, why is it that every single story uh, that, that, has, uh, that has captured the nation's attention and that dominates the media, not just the paparazzi, but also national television and newspapers, uh, involves violence in some way and very flashy violence? I think there was – I read this in Roger Ebert's review of the movie where he said, you know, I'm watching this O.J. Simpson coverage – and there's a bunch of people mad that O.J. Simpson was arrested and on trial, but no one is expressing any uh, uh, any outrage over the fact that two people were murdered. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one here is like, oh, Nicole Simpson is dead. I should be mad about that. All the anger was, is the guy innocent or guilty? And people fought like on the playground of the legal system. But they were not actually having the ethical and moral argument about someone was murdered and that's a shame and we should stop killing people, mm-hmm. right? I think we've come a long way since then, as a matter of fact. And I think we have more empathy now, not less empathy than in 94, because that's how the course of human history has always worked. Uh, but then, this is a very prevalent topic, and you can't go half ass with this topic. It's a hard. It's hard to tell this story without being on the nose because that's the way the media handled these things. Yeah, it was very on the nose. So could it have come out in 2017? No, but it came out in 1994. <laughs> and as a slice of life, sort of place in history, this is what was on our mind at the time. Type of movie, I buy it. Okay, but it sounds to me like you're just you're taking it as like like a time capsule, sure, like artifact of a film. Do you really watch this and enjoy it? Yes, I do. Ugh. I find it entertaining. Mm. I do. Mm. 
Okay. In the same way I find JFK entertaining. Uh, but JFK, as, as crazy as it's going to sound, next to this has restraint. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. No, but JFK has no restraint. Though. No, Let's I'm not honest. saying it does, but next to this thing? I mean, my God, it's not even close. I mean, that's and Oliver it, Stone, man. But at least JFK feels like it's actually telling a story, and it doesn't. it's not concerned with the ideas or even the zeitgeist of the time. Like, again, it just makes this movie feel more dated to me. I, I don't care. I don't care if this movie was about Rodney King okay. or, or about OJ. It means nothing to me. It means absolutely fuck all well, to me. You know, I want to see how this movie plays in my mindset right now. We watch movies differently. I know. I. This I is know. one of the problems that you and I have. <laughs> I know. But it's like if you had just like focused in on just like giving us some some halfway decent characters or telling us. I see. Semi- I find the characters to be oh, fairly compelling. How? I think Woody's awesome in the movie. I think they're deliberately surface level. I don't think there's anything interesting about them. I think they're played one note the entire pretty much the entire way through. Oh, that one and, note is so delicious, though. Ugh, God. God damn they are just so good at playing white trash these two it's like it's like a, it's like throwing a pie in your face every other second <laughs> that's essentially the movie for me personally and i mean it, again like fine like this it doesn't really feel that new to me and maybe it's because of when i was born but i feel like i've seen movies like this that had come out earlier like with peeping tom or man bites dog and to a certain extent uh, clockwork orange yeah uh and i, I don't know it's just it, it's just like it just feels like a like a little kid taking those ideas and just like saying, "Hey, let's let's take action figures and bash them together." That's not what this it is. It feels that's, this has a little more thought to uh, it than that. Uh, no, no, <laughs> I disagree. I also think there's like a punk rock element to this movie too that I respond to. You know, there's like a f you guys, you know, f the MPAA. F the the studio system. We're going to make this movie violent and yeah. vulgar and nasty and gritty. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not going to apologize for it. And I know in the wake, this became one of the most controversial movies of all time because a bunch of mass shootings started happening. Yeah. And I know, in, for example, the Columbine Killers, I think, used the code name NBK, NBK. Right, which stood for Natural Born Killers. And it, of course, led to this whole conversation. Has art gone too far? All these copycat killers are coming up. Whatever. No. Um, and... You know, in that cultural debate, I'm always going to stand with the art, and I, I almost appreciate the movie more in the face of that criticism. Yes. Now, that I agree with. You know? Because, again, I just feel like the, those making those criticisms don't understand human behavior. Yes. And like, like the, the as Nick Evangelista put it so eloquently, violence predates art. Yes. Precisely right. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all you need to say. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. right. It's like, and geez. violence in art certainly predates natural born killers. <laughs> I do love the line in Scream, though, where, they got, where they're like, you sick fucks, you've seen too many movies. Noah said, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um. I'm just gonna. I, I'm gonna stand up for this movie. Uh, that, it's just one of my things. I stand up for it. I understand what Oliver Stone was going for. I understand what he was going for. And I, don't get me wrong. I enjoy it on a rewatch. I, I really yeah. do. I flip it on cable and I'm there for a couple minutes for oh, sure. God, this is like a ten year old screaming in my ear, asking for candy, asking me to listen and bring them to the store. And you're 100 percent right. The Rodney scene is just yeah. I mean, if you if you want the movie for anything, the Rodney Dagefield is fucking awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. Well, the laugh track there, it's just so inventive. <laughs> yes, that's great. Stuff. I agree. I agree. Okay, uh, let's get to the best picture winner, Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, starring Tom Hanks, Sally Field, Robin Wright, Gary Sinise as Lieutenant Dan. 
Lieutenant Diane. <laughs> Winner of Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Editing, and Best Effects. Also nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Cinematography, Art Direction, Sound, Sound Editing, Makeup, and Original Score. Jesus Christ. Number 40 on AFI's all-time quotes list for uh, Mama Always Said Life Was Like a Box of Chocolates. <laughs> Never know what you're going to get. 37 on their most inspiring films list and 71 all-time. The presidencies of Kennedy and Johnson, the events of Vietnam, Watergate, and other history unfold through the perspective of an Alabama man with an IQ of 75. Uh, I, I think... What's happened to this movie over the years is kind of unfair. Yeah, I agree. I've I've grown up with this is the first film I ever saw. Oh wow, okay. It's the very first movie I ever saw. I saw this movie before any animated film. My dad, I, I, the story goes, my dad sat me down when I was uh, three years old in Maine, and he's like, "We're we're just gonna watch Forrest Gump." And ever since then, I've I, I feel like I've been birthed into this movie. I can't remember <laughs> I can't remember a time where I was not familiar with Forrest Gump, and that extends to the fact that I saw it when I was so damn young. Yeah, mine was The Godfather, so that explains that. Doesn't yeah, it? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think retroactively, because the movie won Best Picture, and this happens every year with the Oscar winner, mm-hmm. is that we look at it and we think, ah. Maybe it should have been this instead. And yeah. so we unfairly criticize the movie that won Best Picture because we are naturally skeptical of the Academy. And I, I, this movie does get a lot of shit from certain peers. I mean, I, I remember once going to uh, a little meeting in at Central. I don't know. I don't remember what exactly we were. Oh, you know what it was? It was fucking tea time. I got invited to tea time. You went to tea time? Yeah. I've never I, been to a tea time. It was awful. I've been to a golf tea time. You have never been surrounded never by- Never sick tea at a tea time. It's like being in a cult. That's what it was. It's the worst. I forgot who invited me to that thing. I'm like, fuck it, I'll go. And then I sat there. And then I think about halfway through, we're just sharing our thoughts about movies around. And someone's like, yeah, fuck Forrest Gump. I hate that movie. I've always hated that. And I'm just like sitting there like seething. (laughs) I was like, I hate these people. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't think it's the best movie of the year. No. I don't think it's the second best movie of the year. I also agree with that. Um... And I think it's okay to acknowledge that while also say it's a really good movie. I think it's a great film. Sure. It's a great film. It's fucking Forrest Gump. Let's call it a great film. It's okay to admit that. Okay. It has this layer of saccharineness. It's very saccharine. On top. No doubt. It (laughs) is sugary as hell. It's like if I took maple syrup and just put a big clob on your tongue. Yes. But you know what? I like maple I like maple syrup a lot. It's delicious. Yes. Sometimes you can have too much. This movie definitely has too much. Sure. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, that is Robert Zemeckis. With the exception of Back to the Future, every movie these, this guy has ever made. And even Back to the Future to a certain extent. I was going to say, that's that's not like sugary, but it's candy. Yes. Uh, there is a, a, a real wide-eyed sense of wonder in his movies, and that's what this is. The fact that Forrest runs across the country uh is is cringeworthy now you watch it and you're like wow i can't believe this made the final cut of the movie i i agree on paper but that like the individual moments where he's like you just stepped through a big pile of dog shit <laughs> it happens what shit sometimes <laughs> i love that no it's terrible no it's no really <laughs> this is an example of the whole is bigger than the sum of the parts because you take yeah. those individual parts and you, you would remove if you were doing script doctoring on this script, oh, you would God. remove all of these moments. Yeah. But somehow, as a whole, they work. 
in, in the grand scheme of things. And it's like, you know, I can't figure out exactly what it is other than to say Tom Hanks is just brilliant here. Oh, yeah. It's the most lovable character I think ever created. And I think you put anybody else in this role and it just doesn't work. Is that fair to say, by the way, most lovable character ever created? It might be overstating it a little bit, but maybe not. No, maybe not. I mean, no. I don't know. Atticus Finch? No. Yeah, okay. Forrest Gump. Maybe. I'd have to think about it more. I think it's pretty damn close. Yeah. I think, and that, that's the movie. <laughs> right. No, that is the movie, right? How, how can you not watch this film, fil- Jesus, this film and feel something for it? I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah. he, he is, he is uh, phenomenal in this movie. Yeah. And I watch, I watch this film every year, multiple times a year. And, you know, that does speak to its quality. I'm sorry. Sure. I'm sorry to those who don't like it. But if you haven't seen this movie at least 10 times, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> man, I watched it a lot growing oh my up, man. God, dude. Well, it was on FX all the time. It's one of, yeah, no. Oh, God, it's it's still on FX all the time. Yeah. It's one of those movies that, along with, like, Jaws and Jurassic Park and Toy Story, it was just always on in my house. Right. And it's like, if we weren't keeping these movies on loop, then, you know, the, the family was being torn apart. Yeah. That, kind of <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so Forrest Gump is very, very important to me, regardless of my, my criticisms of it now in my older age, my fruitful age of 24. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. Fruitful? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I have nothing but love and respect for this film. Yeah. And for most of its parts. Yeah. Um, I love the stuff with Jenny, too. That, that's oh, the God. thing. As you get older, it's like when I remember being a kid. And watching Jenny with the guitar naked in the strip club and just being like, oh, what's happening here? Like, why what, did she not have any clothes on? Like, I, I, I what, was so young that I couldn't uh, understand why she was being sexually objectified yeah. or if she was even being sexually objectified or why Forrest was mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I get older, like, that stuff is so heartbreaking and raw and real. All, all so many scenes with Jenny, though. And I mean, when I was... See, I remember it was high school where it just clicked with me because there was a long stretch of time where it, Forrest Gump was always like on in my house, but I wasn't like watching it from front to back as much. Yeah. And then like freshman year of high school comes and we're watching it on, on, a, on a, our bus and taking a trip to, um, uh, to Florida because we were on a band trip. Yep. And um, uh, they get to the scene when uh, he's in her dorm and she puts uh, his hand on her boobs and I had no idea for the longest time that he comes. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> right. That freaked me out and it added a whole new layer of like like real life maturity to the movie that I was completely unaware of at the time when right. I was younger. I just thought it was a weird scene. Like I didn't even understand the boob touching when I was younger. But then when I'm like, you know, a little bit older, I'm like, oh, oh God, he's touching her boob. Sure. And then it just got more and more uncomfortable and then i was it's just like again it almost reframed the film but another thing that seriously reframed the film for me is that when i'm really young uh i don't understand the line he was always kissing and touching her and her sisters yeah i'm like okay yeah as an eight all right as a as like a a five-year-old i'm like just nodding my head like okay i don't know what they're saying cool and it took me so long to realize that, yeah, she was sexually abused as a kid. Right. And, and, and I think it was probably, again, another moment on that band trip where I'm like, oh, my God, the Jenny character is just so tragic. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And it, and it made the film better. 
Oh, of course it does. Yeah. No, because uh, as saccharine as the execution is, like the story is real, man. And the stuff with her, it's like she sort of gets redemption at the end. Mm-hmm. Like Forrest sort of saves her, but she's also kind of beyond saving. And it's like this real bleak note to end on. Yeah, I know. Uh, the film's a lot more complicated than just you know, inspirational, mentally challenged man runs across the country. Well, it challenges him, though, is the thing. I right. mean, he is the most lovable guy. He's the, the most happy-go-lucky simpleton you've ever met, but still, life is kind of kicking his ass. Sure. And I, I love that about it. I, I love that it doesn't go like, like, you know, it was a movie that kind of, like, like has no idea what it's doing, and I don't hate this movie, but that, 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 the Robert De Niro movie, The the Intern, where he's, like, old and <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> if you had given me 5,000 guesses about the movie you were going to say next, the intern would have not even been on that list. Please yeah. connect Forrest Gump to the intern. I'm not connecting Forrest Gump to the intern, but. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter with me? Oh shit! Go ahead. I'm such a weirdo. Go on. But that movie. Can we do an intern podcast one of these <laughs> days? By the way, I'm down. I got a lot to say about the intern. Yes, Nico, we can do it. Let's do it on Why Is This a Thing? Yes, little Nico, we can. Yes. <laughs> Have you seen that? Movie? Oh fuck yeah! Okay, so that movie again. It's like it's like it's fine. It is what it is. It's fine. Whatever. It um, is exactly what it is, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> You see the trailer and you're like, "That's exactly what I'm getting. No yep. more, no less." Yeah, and you, yeah, you, you get it. You dig the trailer, <laughs> you'll love the film. Robert De Niro has absolutely zero flaws. He is a perfect human being. Yeah, and nothing goes wrong for him. Right, and it's like, <laughs> like I understand the point is to just like, like have that person there that is just perfect. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but yeah, <laughs> but I was like, you know, it was it was getting distracting because nothing there was no drama with his character yeah and i was just like yeah you know like like that's a problem you can't just have like a perfect human being the whole time carry well, everyone well, else well in the case of de niro he's supposed in that movie is framed as like a catalyst for change with anne hathaway though. yes i know that. the movie's anne hathaway's story it's not really de niro's story ultimately but i would have loved something i mean the movie takes a lot of time where it's just him you know Especially, yeah. like in scenes where he's having dinner with that older woman you know i can't believe we're talking about the intern right I now know. <laughs> <laughs> I this is happening want to have an intern podcast let's, yes let's have an intern podcast what a movie nico <laughs> What a movie. Diablo Cody, huh? <laughs> that's Oh, my God. That's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, America's favorite screenwriter. Voice of a generation, Diablo Cody. All I'm saying. All I'm, all I'm saying in reference to Forrest Gump. Let's circle back around here. Yeah. Uh, is that, okay, it's nice even when your character's a, a, a wonderful human He's being. He's still in conflict. A total simpleton. Yes. He's still in conflict, right? Yes. And he can still understand the range of human emotions that we're yes. capable of understanding. And that, and the line, you don't know what love is, gets me every single oh, time. Oh, fuck, It's dude. such a horrible thing to say to somebody. Yep. But you kind of understand where she's coming from in that moment. Yep. And, uh... It's interesting to see how he develops that thought towards the end of the film and what it ultimately leads on. And it's like, how could you say that to this guy after he's standing in front of the grave of right. Virginia? It's just beautiful. I, lo- I love this movie. Yeah, it's, I, if Tom Hanks isn't in it, though, it's... it's it is more probably... Yes. Yeah, it's, it's nothing, right? I'll keep, but I, again, Robin Wright is fantastic. In the She's movie. great. Honestly, the most saccharine thing for me is the is the 
uh, the scene at the Washington Monument. Yeah. I'm just like, the, the, the older I got, it's like, it's iconic as hell, but it's like, Jesus, that you couldn't have picked a more fluffy version of this. Right. Well, also, the the way that the movie portrays American history in that era, the Vietnam era, the yeah. hippie movement, all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I, I've seen the movie criticized as like a... Um, uh, as like a deeply conservative movie about like the pitfalls of of the hippie movement, right? And how Jenny is this character that sort of dovetails in and out of that movement and does all the drugs and protests the war and all that shit. And Forrest has this straight laced lifestyle, and he's the one that ends up happy, and she's the one that ends up dead. Um, which I think, I don't know. I understand what they're saying there. Uh, I, I'm not sure that was the intention of the screenwriter or the filmmaker. Well, ultimately, yeah, I was just about to say it doesn't seem like that's the, the conceit of the movie at all. Yeah, I mean, the movie is just like laser focused more than anything on just Forrest and his and his many hijinks. Yeah, I never watched it as yeah. a cautionary tale. No, saying like don't smoke m- marijuana, kids. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure some people could read it that way. I don't think I ever did. Nah, not nah, me neither necessarily. He's just a, he's a he's a wonderful vessel to to see all these these things that kind of shaped our history. But yeah, I don't I don't really read it as as a movie about the hippie movement or anything like that. Or, yeah, or the, the the follies of the hippie movement or even the Vietnam War for that matter. Uh huh. It's, it's a funny thing is that it's it's there's an a nice chunk of this film devoted to the Vietnam War, and it does, it takes no time. It doesn't criticize the war at all, right? Not, not really. And right. I was, it's like one of the few films to do that. It just kind of is in the war, as Forrest would have been, right? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of violence that happens there. His friend dies. It's a war, though. I mean, it's, that's... Like, it's like, of course, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Oh my god, I forgot. I saw Saving Private Ryan. Oh right! In 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 the theater on the big screen. <laughs> yes. How was that? Uh, they started the film and there was no dialogue, <laughs> oh, and that was a technical issue. And then they started it again and the dialogue was muffled, but it kind of worked. And it kind of worked. Well, Do you recommend that people watch Saving Private Ryan with fingers well, in their ears? It got better as soon as they had had gotten over the seawall and they had uh, you know finished the Omaha Beach sequence. So okay. the, the, it was back to normal. But was this on film? I don't know. Part of me thinks it was, okay. but it was actually kind of interesting because the sound, by the way, it was the most incredible sound experience I've ever had in my life, especially that opening sequence. Uh. And it's so detailed and realistic and frightening. And you get a sense of how detailed it is when you're just sitting down and watching it normally. But the the level of gunfire going off and just the bullets whizzing past you, yeah. like you get a sense that there's a bunch of them when you're just sitting down and watching it on your couch. But it's sitting there in the theater and how much is captured. It's like thousands going all at once. And it's like, if right. I poke my head up, I'm going to die. Oh, yeah. You have no idea. Like you don't, you don't, you don't get what like war vets were talking about when they were like, yeah, no, the, the, the sound of this movie, like, like brought me back. It's like seeing it here. I'm like, yeah, I understand why you would have said that. Sure. In the theater. Like it is frightening that opening scene huh. in a way. Like I was like, I was almost wasn't enjoying it in that way. I was like, Oh God, I want to get out of here. Yeah. It was incredible. Oh, that's cool. Incredible. Well, that's cool. You got the sound design. You got the full, uh, the, the full scope of that. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Great. Wonderful experience. Cool. Um, anything else about Forrest Gump? I, 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 I go easy on it guys. It's still a good movie. Yeah. Seriously. I would say the same thing. Yeah. Like, don't be so old and cynical. Yeah. Yes. That, okay. If we're, you know what? Interesting point. I feel like this is a movie that people draw on. Like when it's like, I've, I've grown out of it. It's like, Exactly. Why? Right. Why have you grown out of it? Come on, man. It's it's still about you today. Yes. Okay. Right. Return to that place you were as a kid and watch Forrest Gump again, and yes. I think you'll enjoy it a lot more. We're not saying it's better than Shawshank or Pulp Fiction or even Hope Dreams. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. But it's a great movie. Another question for you. <laughs> um, you know. Yes. Yes. 
do you really not know what you're going to get out of a box of chocolates? <laughs> you know what I mean? I've had that thought in my head my whole life. I mean, I know exactly what I'm getting out of a box of chocolates. I'm getting chocolate. It's also labeled for you <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. There's no mystery there. He's an idiot. I hate that quote. He's an idiot. <laughs> Is that, you know what? Most overrated part of the movie, that quote. Sure. Run, Forrest, run. There you go. That that should fill it in, I guess. Forrest Gump. I don't get it, man. <laughs> Life is a box of chocolates. You don't get just the general idea of the point. <laughs> Can we use something else? <laughs> Do we need a different object? What would you rather have? Life is like a box of Cheerios with a toy in it. I don't know. <laughs> something where there's mystery. I mean, any food. Life is like a dating app. I don't know. <laughs> Life is like going to a buffet and being blind. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> I mean, anything. That works better, yeah. too. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Pulp Fiction is the next film on the list And it's written and directed by a man named Quentin Tarantino Also written by Roger Avery What happened to Roger Avery? I have no idea I've always wondered that myself He just disappeared Guy won an Oscar Yep And then never did another thing Yeah Never No uh, Get it I don't know Uh, Starring John Travolta, Sam Jackson, Bruce Willis, Uma Thurman, Ving Rhames, Harvey Keitel, and Tim Roth Winner of Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars Also nominated for Picture Actor Supporting actor, supporting actress, director, and film editing. AFI says it's the number seven gangster movie of all time. Feels low. Also doesn't really feel like a gangster movie. Yes. And number 94 on their all-time movie list also seems low. Uh, the lives of two mob hitmen, a boxer, a gangster, and his wife, and a pair of diner bandits intertwine in four tales of violence and redemption. Uh, quality, legacy, impact are the three things we judge these movies on. I don't think there's any doubt that this is the most impactful movie of the year. By a mile. This is, this is the movie that changed everything. Changed everything. It's, uh, I mean, I mean, my God. I mean, half the filmmakers that exist today, or at least with our generation, are directly influenced by this movie. And there is no question and there's no debate. I think this is one of the most important films for, I guess, millennial culture. Oh, for any culture, I would yeah. say. Any, for film culture at, yeah, now at large. Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, define the 90s. Define the independent movement. Yep. Talked about uh, Reservoir Dogs being the first movie that Tarantino made. And that certainly had something to do with the rise of d mm-hmm. and Soderbergh had a lot to do with it as well with sex lies and videotape a lot of movies you can credit as uh kicking off the independent movement of the 90s but this is the godfather Mm -hmm. of that generation right it's the bible yes it just is precisely right um i had this thought why i love pulp fiction so much because it's a movie we talk about a lot and Mm -hmm. has been talked about a lot in many mediums by other people as well um if you publish this screenplay as a book it's an American classic, isn't it? <laughs> Tarantino says this a lot, where he's like, all he wants to do is like, if he, uh, he, he said like writing page by page, and the point is like, if I could just publish that page and be done with it, that that that's all I want. Right. I just want every page to be pub, pub publishable, if that's even a word. Yeah. But that's the idea. Right. If you took this and just let's say we convert it into a novel, and it's just like. An incredible Elmore Leonard story about yep. crime in Los Angeles. Or a collection of short stories, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, every word of dialogue here is so considered. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? Yeah. Like every line, there's something to it. And you watch it again, 
and you'll pick up on another wonderful quote. And it's not just like the big stuff. It's not just like, oh, what do you call a Royale with cheese in Paris? It's not. There's also this great step between Travolta and Uma as they're having dinner together and you know, the scene with the wolf and with Tarantino and and uh, and the cleaning up of the dead body and every line here is just wonderful dialogue. There's so much imbued in every sentence. And I don't think Tarantino's ever gotten to that level again. Just as a screenwriter. What do you think? Is this his best screenplay? Maybe. I do love the, the Inglorious Bastard screenplay. De- definitely. And how yes. he didn't win for that is fucking it's crazy beyond me it's crazy absolutely beyond me but that's my favorite thing about that movie uh and but this is something this is definitely something a little bit special i mean it's this this is one of those movies that really illustrates how artistic dialogue can be and i mean you do get that out of like earlier films and certainly some woody allen but there feels like more of like a theater aspect to it Mm -hmm. And this one feels more considered with the film at play. I don't know what it is about it, but I I, I watch it and I'm just like, this just feels like like someone going absolutely crazy with his canvas to write on. And it's it's weird because generally I don't call dialogue cinematic, but because of how punchy and and vibrant and exciting it is, it just it it makes the film feel like jazz to me. Yes. It's so wonderful to just listen to these people talk. And a lot of people say that about this film is that even if – I'm not. I'm not fully understanding the story, which I, I hate it when people say that. What's, <laughs> What's there not to understand? I, I, I don't. I, <laughs> really pisses me off. It's quite simple. Yes, yes. I'm like, what are you talking about? You didn't understand that. But anyway, um, yeah. I just think the dialogue is just the most exciting stuff ever, and I could just sit there with these people for hours and hours. And man, I, I can't. I can't get enough of this film. It's one of those movies that I just saw endlessly, like as soon as I came of a certain age. And yeah. it's just like it's that that movie where it's like, of, of course, people my age. Love but of course, it's on every every dorm in Connecticut, or not just Connecticut, but all across the United States. Yes. Everyone loves this movie. Everybody's and, got this poster. I mean, my God! I mean, with with Uma and that gun and the cigarette, it's just ugh, it's the best. <laughs> right? I can't I can't speak highly of this film enough, and it's also incredibly iconic now. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought I think just the individual stories that are being told are just I I mean. It's funny because they're very entertaining and they're exciting and uber violent at times. Well, time, they are pulpy for sure. Right? Yeah, oh, certainly, but surprisingly moving. Oh, lot, absolutely. I feel like a lot of people don't give this movie enough credit for just how much heart it ends up having. Absolutely. Especially with Vincent and uh, and Mia's character. I mean, I love that whole scene so much and it's so bleak for me. Yes. At the end. Well, sure, the seduction, uh the flirting that they that they're uh that they do. Well, the nice thing about this movie, um cuz Tarantino, I don't knows do you do you think of him as like a as a patient filmmaker i mean i kind of do but i'm not sure that most people do probably i mean certainly after seeing once upon a time in hollywood yeah uh i think most people think of his movies though as as uh as quick cutting and um and, and like entertaining doesn't necessarily hold on a moment all that much big soundtrack like i i'm not sure people think of him as like oh i'm just gonna leave the camera here and let the actors do their thing but in that sequence i mean that's like 45 minutes of the movie yeah that date with mia mm-hmm. uh, that's like a big chunk of the movie has nothing to do with violent crime at all it's just a guy taking out a, a dude's wife on a date yeah and they're dancing uh in a in a diner mm-hmm. you I, know with buddy holly as their waiter i think well i think he has a lot of interest actually in, in holding on on moments or at least letting a, a scene play out to its logical conclusion uh-huh. he certainly understands the stories better than i think 
many filmmakers do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that helps with the fact that he writes it, but he's. Re- I think he's incredibly patient, yeah. especially in movies like this, certainly in Reservoir Dogs. And even though those movies are fast at times, I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel abrupt in an, in any sense of the word. It certainly feels like he, I don't know. Uh, I I feel like he does a good job ex- at exploring these these many weird facets of the story sure. and, and, and however many avenues these characters can go in and just what they're willing to talk about. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's just so, it's so lived in and it seems like he's been with these characters for a long time. Um, what else was I going to say about this movie? I, I, but I also, I was going to, I guess, mention his influence and whatnot. Go ahead. And it's very, it's very, uh, Godard actually. Oh, okay. This movie, surprisingly. I mean, there's a, there's a weird, I don't know. There's a weird like fluidity to everything that happens, and but at the same time, not willing to break rules if he feels like he can. Well, the miracle of this movie is yeah. that it doesn't take place in sequential order, no. but emotionally, the story does take place in order. Right, that, and that's what one of the things I always have to explain to people. You're right. It's like when people are confused by the the nonlinear narrative. Right. And I'm Why just Vincent like, dies in the middle of the movie? Yeah. The main character dies halfway through. Yeah. But his emotional arc does not conclude until that final moment yeah which happened before the death it's just brilliant stuff dude yes i know how long would it take you to write a screenplay that good god i don't know how long would that take you i don't fucking know (laughs) it's incredible but that's the thing though like that is such a smart idea i love that it's like guys because thematically and emotionally you need to structure it this way that that that's what he had in mind sure if he i mean he's done i mean all his other films are essentially told i mean fairly linearly well reservoir dogs isn't well not like not like this though uh, I mean, that, yeah, has he gone back to that? That movie jumps around, but it's not like told out of order. Well, yeah, kind of. Is it? Yeah, I don't think it is. Sure, it is. I mean, they show the the scene of them planning the heist towards the end of the movie, where they're giving out the nicknames. Yeah, they they jump around quite a bit. No, they jump around, but it's not like the movie goes like back and then like takes like the ending and. Puts well, the it movie in the ends where it ends. Yes, the movie ends in the final sequential spot. Yeah, yeah I guess. Sorry, if you want to put it that way, it's yeah. it, like you know, it jumps around the way like Game of Thrones jumps around, like that kind of. Thing. Okay, you know, it's but it's not like completely out of order in the way that this is, but right. like like logically out of order. No, that's but it's it's part. right. If you had put it in sequential order, the movie wouldn't make sense, and that's a weird <laughs> way of putting it. Yeah, and and it, it wouldn't work. Like, could you imagine the movie ending with uh, Bruce Willis driving away? Right. That's where chronologically the movie ends. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and just Vincent just dead on the toilet. Yeah, that would just be bizarre, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think uh I I mean like the 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 other thing I want to say if I'm to criticize anything about this movie, I I know what you're going to say. Fabian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. My lover. Like oh god. I yeah, yeah, I I can com- Will you give me oral pleasure? <laughs> Will you kiss it? I can confidently say I don't really like that scene. It's ugh, it's 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 just so I don't know. Whose bike is this? <laughs> it's not a bike, it's a chopper baby. Whose chopper is this? Zed. Zed's baby. Who's Zed? Zed's dead baby. Zed's dead. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's good stuff. I, I, I don't know. Doesn't work. You're right. Doesn't she, work by the way the taxi scene doesn't work either. Not really. Yeah. What does it feel like to kill a man? I agree. Yeah. I don't like that. You can cut that sequence out of the movie. I'm okay with it. That being said, as soon as uh, he shoots Vincent and that whole sequence, and well, I like I like the scene where he figures out that he doesn't have the watch anymore. Yeah, and Bruce Willis's outburst is fantastic. Uh, but yeah, 
th- those two moments just really bother me. And, yes. And they're, they're the one part where it's like, okay, the movie just came to a grinding halt. Right. Boom. Stopped. Right. And it's and you can completely feel it. And yeah, if there's anything to say that's that if there's anything wrong with this film, it's certainly that. Yeah. Other than that, the Bruce Willis storyline is totally fine. Everything that oh, happens yeah. there is great. I love it. I love sure. It. Ving Rhames and the samurai sword. and I mean, that's just another... And you see this all the time with Tarantino of just Bruce looking at the wall mm. and being like, do, all right, do I go for the gun? Do I go for the baseball bat? And then it just pans, oh, no, we're going for the fucking sword, man. There's a wonderful uh, arc with that, too, where, where it's like, I mean, a lot... you. I mean, it's it's. Inter- I've always found it interesting how the, the 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 weapon he ends on is the only one that was actually meant to, to kill people. Yeah, there's something about that in in reference to his character that just feels kind of right. Oh like, yeah, like his his natural human arc. You know, just because like like learning to do something that's actually good and truthful to yourself. And I love how the weapon he actually chooses is a sword. Yeah, it's like oh okay, you go from like a, a hammer to a bat to a chainsaw, and then finally to a, a katana. Yeah, it's like okay. That's a, that's an interesting but very logical progression. I loved it. Um, I could talk about this movie all day. I could quote too, this yeah. movie all day. Help oh, me too. You said in the wolf. <laughs> that's all you had to say. <laughs> Jimmy, God. can I get a cup of coffee? Say the coffee maker, and they can get a cup of coffee. <laughs> you get. What's the line? Uh, God, I, I I wish I was better at quoting this. Uh, <laughs> uh, have you given a foot massage? <laughs> Don't be telling me about foot massages. I'm the foot fucking master. <laughs> you giving them a lot? Shit, yeah, I got my technique and down and everything. I don't be tickling or nothing. <laughs> Would you give a man a foot massage? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Could spend a whole lifetime. I'd never write anything this good. No. Uh, this, this is... This is Tarantino. Right if I'm here, right? being honest, I think the only screenplay that's ever come close in my for my personal enjoyment, <laughs> it's going to sound weird, is um, The Social Network. Yeah, this is better than The Social Network. There's times where I think The Social Network is the best mm. screenplay ever written. Wow, that's funny, considering you're not the biggest Sorkin fan. No, I love that script. Okay. Yeah. You got to watch The West Wing, dude. Do I? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do well, I? actually, maybe you would hate it. Eh, not necessarily. I do like Sorkin. I just feel like I, I can, if he's if he's not given any restraint, and he can just you know repeat himself over and over again. It's like just, he does have a tendency to self plagiarize. Yes, it's like just just get to the point. So that's Pulp Fiction. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about it in a minute. Yes, we will. Okay, I believe so. Finally, a movie I assigned for you. Yeah, Hoop Dreams, directed by Steve James, mm-hmm. starring. William Gates and Arthur Agee as themselves because this, my friends, is a documentary. The first documentary we've ever talked about on this podcast. That's correct. Long overdue, I would say. Uh, nominated for Best Film Editing at the Oscars. Not nominated for Best Documentary. Which is a sin. <laughs> Which is like, is. what are we even doing this for? Yeah. In the long growing list of fuck the Academy, uh, this may be the top, man. This is one of the worst. Like, and it's it's so funny because this was the first time I, I saw the movie. But even then, I was like, yeah, Oscars, like, shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So um, at the time, uh, Siskel and Ebert, Gene Siskel, Roger Ebert, to mm-hmm. be specific, uh, were big champions of the movie. And I think I mentioned this last week. Uh, Roger Ebert says this is his number one movie of the 90s. He did a top 10 list of the decade. This was number one. 
um, they looked into why it was not nominated for Best Director, and it turns out that there's a lot of uh, 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 stuff behind the scenes of the Academy that's just darn fucked up. Yep. So I guess this this committee that nominates the documentaries get together, screen these things with flashlights. It's just there's like 30 of them in a room or whatever. Fucking, this is ridiculous. So they're sitting in the theater, they're watching, they have flashlights. And at any point, if they feel like stopping the movie because they don't enjoy it, they can just shine the flashlight. And if a certain number of them shine the flashlight, they just go to the next movie. They don't actually sit down, watch the movie, consider it, and then vote on what should get in. They just watch it factory line style. And I guess, because the movie was three hours long or whatever, it just didn't move them, they stopped the movie after 15 minutes. So nobody in the documentary committee actually watched the full movie. (laughs) Which is just absurd. And I know Entertainment Weekly did a big feature on this in the 90s, and it led to an overturning of that process. Yes. Um, and now I would say the documentary section of the Oscars is actually quite good. That's one of the categories yeah. that I feel like they get right every year. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like if, if a movie really, if a documentary really spoke to the public, it's sure to be nominated. That's not necessarily the case with Best Picture. No. But I think they've gotten better over the years. But that was a huge snub. It's sort of well again the, the the fact that it was so bad and such a huge snub like kind of paves way for change. It's it kind of reminds me of the Dark Knight. In yeah, that way. to a certain extent, but I still don't think Best Picture completely solved that problem, did it? After no. the Dark Knight, no, yeah. In fact, in a lot of ways, it got even messier. It got even worse, right? Yeah. Uh, a film following the lives of two inner city Chicago boys who struggle to become basketball players on the road to going professional. That is the plot of Hoop Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh. Walk me through what you thought on your first viewing of this movie. Uh, you, well, I mean, I didn't exactly know entirely what to expect from it. Uh-huh. I, I, I think I started it thinking that it's just going to be about exploring like like these kids and their dreams. I mean, I mean, it is about that, but I mean, I, I thought it would be like laser focused on that and just seeing what they thought of of said dream and so so on and so forth. Did and, you think it was going to be more about basketball than it actually was? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very long. It's quite long. Uh, Two hours and fifty minutes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it 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 doesn't. I wouldn't exactly say it looks like a million bucks, like a lot of documentaries do. No. Did not bother me. No. It felt all the more authentic. Isn't this a Criterion that. Collection movie? It might might be. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's a Criterion movie. Could be right. It I think they actually because they went back and preserved it. I think they changed a lot of the footage. Are they are they upgraded a lot of the footage? It should be. Honestly, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yes, and um, the movie is just just this wonderful, flowing epic of a movie, and so so deep and intimate and thoughtful, but about so much more than these kids and and their basketball dreams. Yep. And I think I summed it up best texting to you. Uh, I love Widows, but this is the best Chicago movie I've ever seen. So I was actually thinking about this best Chicago movies. Yeah. Um, better than The Fugitive. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. There was a couple. There were there were other ones that. The fu- I mean, again, like, I mean, the fugitive's not about Chicago, really. right? It just takes place in Chicago. Yeah. Well, yeah, widows is certainly yeah okay that fits that definition for sure. But yeah. I think you're right. I think this one this one is. Yeah, I think this is. You're right that this is the best Chicago movie of all time. Yeah, for it, sure. It's a wonderful exploration into you know 
what what happens to you growing up if you're placed in the right environment. Yep. You know what it what your dream will mean to you growing up if you're placed in the right environment. What race relations are going to be like at this point in your life. Yep. What education is like. Oh yeah. And and how devastating it can be to do something as simple as switch schools if you're not making the right kind of income. You know, your relationship to your parents, your your relationship to your friends, your your own your own understanding of the world around you. It's just it's a it's it's just this wonderful point in time of these these kids lives that you couldn't you couldn't have picked a better time to 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 talk about these themes for them. Yeah. Uh, it's the same feeling I got watching this movie that I got watching season four of The Wire, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, is all about the inner city, the politics of the inner city, the, the way that children grow up and, uh, in environments where drugs are prevalent. Uh, and season four is about the educational system of Baltimore. Yes. The Wire. Uh, but it's about so much more than that. In the same way that this movie is so much more than the basketball. There's a lot of basketball in it. Oh, yeah, certainly. Uh, there's a lot of references. Um, Isaiah Thomas is a name that's floated around a bunch because the high school where William Gates and it, uh, for a brief period of time Arthur Adji went to uh, was the same school Isaiah Thomas graduated from. And yep. he went on to become this NBA superstar, one of the great shooters of all time, whatever. Um, so... That shadow is sort of cast on the entire movie, like this yeah. idea that this one kid, just like you and I, made it to there. Uh, they're chasing that ghost in a lot of ways, and what you come to find out is that there is no ghost. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. There is a form of redemption and a form of success, and they come to learn a lot about life, and they end up okay, but they're not Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. and they have to reckon with the fact that they're not Isaiah Thomas. Yes. Uh, that's a story you just don't see. No. You don't see a story about these kids. It's just not the the type of people that Hollywood is interested in making stories about. Yeah. Um, and that's why this movie is such a miracle, mm-hmm. right? Uh, two kids, one big guy, athletic, naturally gifted, not the hardest worker in the world. Nope. Because... He was born with this incredible gift, gets a scholarship, booster says, whatever you need, all your money for tuition, meal, board, whatever you need, kid, because you're going to bring us to a state championship. And this other kid who was just thrown on the street after his basketball performance was not up to snuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you see what happens to both of them. One grows up with, you know, the promise of greatness with the best coaches, with the best athletic trainers, in the best facilities, with better teammates, and the other, chip on his shoulder, kicked out of a private high school because he's not good at basketball. His tuition, his uh, his grades were held hostage because his parents failed to pay the tuition that the school promised them mm-hmm. in his freshman year. And one of them makes it to the state finals, and the other one gets eliminated early, losing to a bad team. How do you fucking make that up, man? <laughs> like that's an incredible story. That's an yeah. incredible narrative, and it tells you everything you need to know about life. Mm-hmm. The kid with the chip on his shoulder is always going to outwork the kid that gets the pat on the back. Yep, I love that. I was so surprised to see that because you don't know, as a documentarian or anybody really, that that's what's going to happen. You got to get lucky, yeah. Then they got so lucky. It's like, and you could have picked any of these kids, really. Mm-hmm. You don't know which one is actually going to go that way. They just saw. They they just talked to them. Yep. It's like, what are you interested in, kid? And they realize, like, okay, 
there is something special about this kid. I want to follow him. And there's something special about this kid. And I want to follow him too. Right. And mira- like you said, miraculously, it just they intertwine and parallel each other and kind of flip flop in this yeah. wonderful, wonderful arc. Yeah. That again s- says everything you need to know about life and growing up and 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 sort of reconciling with with what it means to dream about stuff like this. Right. Or what it what it means to. Uh, uh, you know, I guess pr- progress forward in, in in this facet of your life, and it's just, oh my god! I mean, we've all been there, right? In a way, not not necessarily. No, no, actually, no. That no, but that's the miracle of this movie. I haven't been there, really. No, I I haven't. I I don't know what that's like. I not, I truly not don't. Their, not their living conditions or anything like that. Well, if I'm any okay, if I got to be one of the two, I'm William Gates. I'm not Arthur. I'd probably be Arthur. Okay. I I'm I've never been underestimated. You know what I mean? <laughs> I I really no, I, tr- I truly don't know what that's like. I oh. I truly don't know what it's like being just scrapped and and crumpled up into a million pieces and thrown out because I haven't realized my potential. I think if anything I'm unrealized potential, not the other way okay. around. Interesting. <laughs> you know? Interesting. I, which uh look, I have a lot more respect for the Arthurs of the world as opposed to the Williams of the world. Not that I I yeah. don't completely sympathize with William and everything he goes through. No, yeah, movie. absolutely. Um but the thing about these two is it's like they have a lot in common but they really have nothing in common. Yeah, I know. I thought the same thing. What they have in common is the circumstance. What they have in yeah. common is the relationship to their parents. What they have in common is where they live and how they grew up. The thing that was moving me, I think, more than anything, is is their relationships to their families. I think. Oh yeah, and how that deeply affects them. Well, the stuff with Arthur's father is just incredible. It's like, how do you get that on camera? I know. Oh god, and what ultimately happened to his father? If you've ever read about it, yes, it's just so terrible. Like you could, and they did it like a sequel to this, which was apparently not good. Yeah, and uh, I would have loved to see someone properly tell the story about them after this all happened because yeah a lot of horrible things do end up happening to these kids right yeah his father is so tragic because like you actually see him trying Mm -hmm. you get the sense that he's trying but he's just like this this messed up guy yeah and he can't get out and it's the system that made him this way i mean obviously he loves his son and and his family and is trying to be a provider but he just can't get there and the way that arthur resents him and becomes like the father figure in his own house and takes on that responsibility I mean, this story is just so real for like kids growing up in the inner city. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I haven't lived that lifestyle. No. I have no idea what it's like. I'm but... not relating myself to that. That's not what I'm saying. Right. No, but no. That, again, that's the miracle of the movie. Yeah. It's just like I can see a slice of life that I would not get in any other circumstances. Even if I'm going to the cinema every week where I'm supposed to learn about people that I'm not familiar with. These stories are just not told. Mm-hmm. It's the wire, and it's this, and it's that's the end of the list. Well, this is what I when when I was talking about Paddleton earlier, and how that's a slice of life movie, but that movie doesn't really, at least in my opinion, the the, the drama in that movie is is doesn't really carry me through it. Yeah, because there's a, sort of a lack thereof. And this one of the things I love about just documentaries like this is that they'll show you something that you've never seen before, and they'll keep it interesting and dramatic. And again, you. This is just just a slice of life, and this is you know just a couple kids essentially going to school, you know, and going home and just watching what happens. That's the movie, right? In essence, but it's it becomes so much more than that in a lot of ways that I never would have expected. How creates the scene where Arthur oh is God. playing basketball with his father? Oh and yeah, the two of them are like shirtless, and they got like the crowd, and he's just kicking his and they ass. start shit talking each other. Yeah, and you're watching, you're like, oh, this is not just a friendly basketball game. This is a show of dominance. Yep, this is like. 
you weren't there for me when I needed you, and now I'm going to kick your ass and embarrass you in front of your family. Yep. And I've seen that scene in movies, just no, regular, just narrative films. But right, you know, and it's 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 you know, I, it's so funny because to see it actually happen here, yeah, you know, it's still in, incredibly enthralling. You know, it, it's and it still feels oddly cinematic in that way, just like watching it unfold. It's like naturally dramatic. Again, I don't know how you pick these subjects and get just the most perfect subjects. Yeah. Like, seriously. So I guess it, this was intended to just be a 30-minute short for PBS. Really? They were just going to make a little thing, and they were going to like spend two weeks or whatever doing it. Wow. And they just kept filming. <laughs> and they went on for five years. This this went from their freshman year all the way up until college. Actually, eighth grade, I think, all the way up until college. Christ. Because uh, they're like, yeah, we, gotta, we, just gotta, we got something here. We got to keep going. And I think they had... Over 250 hours of footage when all was said and done, and they ended up cutting it together into this. Um, Christ. The movie not nominated for Best Documentary. Uh, <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> couple things I found out in the research, which are just totally fucked up. The families could not profit from the film because yeah. the NCAA has that rule where you're like, you can't profit off your likeness. So they didn't get a penny until after the kids graduated from college. And they were finally able to take a little slice of it, but they were not paid for this at all. No. They were just followed around. And there's a scene in the movie where the lights get shut off, I think, in Arthur's apartment. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was actually happening. It's just ridiculous to me. But now, finally, you can profit off your likeness in NCAA. They just changed that rule like three weeks ago. What? Yeah. Now you can make money off of your name, finally, if you're a college athlete. Oh, my God. I know. It took that long. What the hell? (laughs) Yep. Uh, I also saw... So, William Gates, I guess... When Michael Jordan moved to the Wizards, I guess gave him an opportunity to try out for the team because mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, it, it was, I think, kind of a publicity stunt. I'm not exactly sure if he was in shape or not, but I guess he lost like 100 pounds, was about to try out for the Washington Wizards, finally make it to the NBA, and then uh, I guess got hurt. He lost 100 pounds? Getting in shape for Michael Jordan. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. That is unhealthy. <laughs> That's horrible. Well, it was like 350 pounds, I think. Holy shit. He was like really heavy. My God. This is a great movie. What that must do to you? His relationship with his brother, by the way. Oh, oh man, dude. That is the most uncomfortable thing of the entire movie for me. Yeah, man. I hated that guy. What'd you think of the coach? My... Oh, the, like the coach, yeah. Uh, well, I think he's a great coach. I don't necessarily think he cares about these kids. No, but maybe that's—I don't know—is that what makes him a great coach? Maybe yeah. it's kind of like the the Fletcher thing in Whiplash. Yeah, I guess so. Right? Like I, I, I like that notion. I like the I, like, especially the final line that he's given, where it's like, "One leaves, another one comes through the door." Yeah, that's how it goes. Sure. And he said, "You know, William had a good career, not a great career." Yeah, the dude only like had multiple knee injuries under your tenure because you forced him to play. Yep. Fucking believable. Yeah. He's oddly sort of becomes the villain. Great character though. Yeah. Oh awesome character. Great character. Awesome character. <laughs> I love just seeing him coach and just talk shit to these guys. It's great stuff. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh I'm so glad you a, love this movie. It's a wonderful e- film. E- even if you're not into basketball, like if you're into basketball, it's a must watch. It's not like not, but not, it's not really, not about, really basketball. about basketball. No. Yeah. It's not about the quote unquote hoop dreams. No. Yeah. yeah. Still a great sports movie, though. I agree. Okay, Adam. Yep. Talk to me. Uh, well, let's let's just induct Natural Born Killers now. Oh, great. Film, yeah, okay. All Natural right. Born Killers. Welcome to Welcome the movie. Welcome to the movie Hall of Fame. Well, that was easy. All right. So there we go. All right. I'll cross off clerks and Natural Born Killers. <laughs> let's do that. Um... 
Well, where's your head at? Actually, where, you know what? No, Adam, where's your heart at right now? What's your heart telling you? My heart telling me? Because this is a very tough year. We've talked about this for a while. We were, we're building to 1994 in a number of ways. Um. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Do, I, doing it now, though, it's it feels a little more clear to me. Okay. It's uh, uh, boy. I mean, if we're going legacy, uh, impact, and then quality, I think you can separate those. I think legacy. I would. I it, just because of pop culture and quotability, I usually go Forrest Gump. I yeah. I, I think I, you're right. I just think it's that like I hear it quoted every single day of my life. It's Forrest Gump for. Legacy. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't win off quality. And for that, the only reason I give that hand to Shawshank is because I have heard more people talk shit about Pulp Fiction. I, I it's, it, which I mean, uh, but pisses fuck, me off. But fuck them, though. I know, but it pisses, no, But what does that mean? I don't, that, I don't care. Who thing. are these people? Who are these nameless people? I, I, I hear people do this a lot. I'm Who like, cares? What are you doing? I don't guys? care. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't, I don't care about them. They yeah. don't enter this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I, really bothers me when I hear that. But I can't believe I've actually heard people say that. Is Hoop Dreams a better movie than Shawshank? That's where I, what I'm coming. I I, urgh, I don't know because mm. Pulp Fiction has impact. Yes. Oh God, by a mile. It's not even remotely close. Okay. <sighs> mm. I feel I would feel like a real piece of shit giving it to Shawshank over Hoop Dreams. <laughs> um, I I think for what it's trying to accomplish, right? Like Shawshank Redemption is that the greatest prison movie of all time? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is Hoop Dreams the best documentary of all time? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Probably. You think so? Yeah, probably. It's not tickled. <laughs> I'm not the biggest documentary guy in the world, <laughs> but I've I've I watched my fair share. Yeah, you've watched a lot more than I have. Yeah, and I I think I um yeah I I like documentaries a little more than you. I'm not saying I don't like documentaries. I just don't see as many. Yeah. Uh. It's the best documentary I've seen. Put it that way. Okay. Fair, fair. Let's put it that way. Um, but I don't know. Uh, what would you cross off next if you had the opportunity to cross off something next? Forrest Gump. Okay. Sadly, but... Yeah, I think it's the fourth best movie on the list. Yes, I agree. So, there it goes. Oh, boy. Are we coming down to... Ugh, I'm so uncomfortable. So, you know me. Uh... Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director of all time. Yeah, uh, this movie changed my life in the way that a lot of movies <laughs> changed my life, but this one changed my life. It's the movie uh, I quote all the time, and I reference all the time, and I watch all the time. Me too. Um, I, I can't say I watch it more than uh, Shawshank, but I do watch it quite a bit. Seems like the obvious choice for sure. Yeah, but it does. maybe that means it should be the choice. I don't know. Maybe you're right. You think Shawshank's best movie on the list? No. Well, I do. I do think it's the best movie, but when it comes down to the movie that I think should get inducted, I think I'm leaning more towards Pulp Fiction. Okay. And then we have Hoop Dreams. But that's the problem. I think Hoop Dreams is, honestly, for me right now, the one that's in greater competition than Shawshank. Okay. We have, wow. All right. So we have Hoop Dreams floating around here, mm-hmm. uh, which, I, could it be the more impressive feat? Yes. <laughs> It could. Yep. So here's what I'll do. I'll cross off Shawshank Redemption right now if you're comfortable with that. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Mm. Hey, got nominated twice. Couldn't get in either time. We'll find a way. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> we'll find a way. Dems the breaks, kid. Dems the breaks. We could do a prison movie podcast, honestly. There's some good ones out there. Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. Escape from Alcatraz. I love Escape from Alcatraz. The Rock. The... <laughs> you know what? 
Fuck you, Shawshank. It's The Rock. <laughs> um, I'm ready to get crazy. What do you think? What do you think? You want to get crazy? I'm ready to get. I'm, you want to get nuts? <laughs> Come on, let's get nuts. You want to get nuts? <laughs> I mean, look, I, like we've been talking about this podcast for months now, and I think we thought that's ah, going to be Pulp Fiction versus Shawshank. Mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction's the obvious choice, no doubt. Yep. <sighs> Could hoop? I'll hear the argument. Hoop Dreams is a better movie. I will. Is it a more iconic movie? No. No. Is it a more impactful movie? No, but maybe. For the documentary scene. Yeah. Maybe. 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 Uh... <laughs> Here's what I'll do. I will I will uh I will let you have this choice. Go ahead. <laughs> Cause I'm good either way, bro. I'm good either way. I feel emotionally invested both ways. I am alright with whatever you choose. Pulp Fiction or Hoop Dreams? I'm like, I got like nuclear bombs going off inside <laughs> me. Oh, That's God. not very good. Oh, it hurts. Oh, no. <laughs> got to protect my bathroom later. Oh, no. Uh, I'm going to destroy your bathroom. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm going to vomit. My eyes are going to pop out of my head like fucking that dude in Scanners. Oh. This is a very disturbing image. I'm not happy with that. You should see Scanners, by the way. Okay. Uh, Let's make the call. We're an hour forty-five in. Fuck me! All right. Um, <laughs> Pulp Fiction, one of the most iconic, important movies ever made. Hoop Dreams, a documentary most people haven't seen. <laughs> Hoop Dreams. Wow, I dig it. Welcome to the movie Hall of Fame. I love it. I love it. I love that we hyped up in our heads for six months. <laughs> is it going to be Shawshank or is it going to be Pulp Fiction? And we put Hoop Dreams in. So us. <laughs> so something we would do. I'm fucking down, dude. That's great. Okay. That's great. I am excited about that decision. Okay. Okay. I am fucking pumped about that. I feel like I did a bad thing, but I think I'm okay. No, you did a great thing. I did a, I did a, I did a good thing? You did a great thing. Okay. I'm happy with that choice. Okay. Hoop Dreams, welcome to the Movie Hall of Fame. Okay. 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 <laughs> so many okays. Okay. okay. Next week, <laughs> the Irishman will be here. Yeah. And we will be talking about it. Jabril has seen it. Wow. Jabril has seen it. That fucker. That bastard. What? Oh, we're going we're gonna to freaking... We got to kidnap that bastard. I got to shoot him like Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, that's right. We're in gonna, the street. Yeah. We, we have... We have Threatened to kill Jabril on multiple occasions. Yes. Yeah. No, publicly on our podcast here, you know. One of the day, one of these days we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. All right. Well, next week. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave that on an ominous note. Um, <laughs> we're doing the Irishman here. Uh, I have a feeling that's going to be a long podcast. I don't know about you, Adam, but I feel like we're going to go two hours on that. What are movie. we going to? We have we have to talk about the film for you know every every minute. Yeah. That, that we got to do at least thirty seconds to every minute. I think every minute of the movie. Yeah. yeah I, I think I, so. 
<laughs> I have a feeling. I mean, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling I'm going to have a lot to say about that. Me too. That will be on Netflix. I'm sure everyone will watch this Thanksgiving weekend if they have the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe they may take them three or four weekends. Uh, we will do The Irishman, and uh, that'll be fun. And then after that, mm-hmm. plenty of stuff planned for the end of the year. Sure. Yes. It'll be a great time. We're getting to the end of the year. Holy crap. We are. My list is nuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My list makes no sense, and I love it. By the way, Paddleton, 15 on my list, right below us. Oh. Right below us. Going to be a fun top 10 list. Fun top 10 pod. Uh, if you don't break my neck. <laughs> because, dude, the movies you love, I mean, you, you are like nowhere to be found. <laughs> this is, I have a wacky ass list. Here's the thing. There are like three or four more that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. They're definitely going to make it. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm. The Irishman, Marriage Story, and uh, what else? Uncut Gems. Uncut if those gems, three, yeah. if those three don't make my top ten, it's going to be a very disappointing year. Let's put Parasite. it that way. And Parasite, Parasite. sure. I, yeah. I, I ooh, really want to see Parasite. Yeah, Parasite's another one. I didn't mention, by the way. I know we're an hour forty-five in, but the Nightingale. Oh right, you saw that. I saw the Nightingale, and it's a perfect movie. Oh wow! There's nothing wrong with the Nightingale. I love this movie with all my heart. Oh, my. Yes. So this is directed by the same chick that directed The Babadook. Yes. Jennifer Kent. And she is a masterful filmmaker in every sense of the word. I have, it's, I've been waiting for a movie to floor me on this, on this level for basically all year. Not to say that there aren't, there aren't films that have you know, done that, but like done it in a way where I was just completely satisfied. This movie is, I, 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 I love everything about this movie and it's not going to be for everyone it's hard to recommend it's not always the easiest watch but my god is it endlessly moving and the the leads relationship with uh the 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 guy oh my god i don't i can't pronounce his name i apologize to you sir but uh the two leads in this movie are absolutely phenomenal the girl especially holy crap it's like i can't even bakali gangambar yes okay I can't even put it into words as to how good the, the girl in, in particular is. She's not going to get nominated, but she should. I heard it's a tough watch. Uh, well, again, I don't think it's as tough as people are are claiming. It's just that first twenty minutes. Yeah, it's 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 rough. Okay. Yeah, I have a feeling I'm not going to like it. I think the film's immaculate. All right. I love. I, I, I can't. better worse than Midsummer. Better. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. More or less disturbing than Midsummer. Less. Okay. Awesome. Great. The Nightingale. A lot yeah. of movies to do. Mm-hmm. Also, at one point, we should settle this decade list thing. Oh. We should we should try that. Decade? What do you mean? I think we should like do a best of the decade pod. <sighs> We're not going to agree on that, though. Yeah, I know. That's fine. You want to just do our own? Yeah, I think so. Like 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 you have your list, I have mine. Yeah, I think we can. Yeah, we'll okay. talk about it off air. I'd rather do that. Yeah, let's let's try that because we're not we're never going to agree on certain. Like we will simply never come to a, a, a consensus on 2017. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So. We'll we'll talk. We'll talk. So. All right. That's all. That's a podcast. Yep. Uh, check out everything else on the website too many thoughts or tmt.media for short. Until then, I love you all, and until next time. Hey, try not to suck any dick on the way to the parking lot. <laughs>